Well, it's an exciting day to be in church. It's I Love My Church series, and this is the first Sunday to kick off the I Love My Church series together, and I want to thank you for being faithful and being a part of this opening Sunday. Pastor Micaiah, as I mentioned, he's, he's out of town this week, but I do hope you encourage him and, and let him know how much you appreciate uh, him being our pastor, and, and I tell you, you know, I love my church because my, my pastor loves God, right? And uh, he does a great job, works hard. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited. I can't believe he let me open up the series this week, and I'm, I'm thrilled. So, um, you know, ideally, uh, if, if um, just so you know, I am. I just want you to to be in love with Jesus more than than ever before because of our time together. But before we get started, also today is back to school Sunday, and uh, so <clears throat> we have a lot of things going on, especially for our children. We actually had uh, Adam Carr works with Walgreens, and he was able to help us be able to get uh, around a hundred of these uh, backpacks. Any anybody like my kids that lose things during the year? Any anybody like that that have kids that just like totally? That, how many of you they actually? lose their main textbooks. Anybody like that? That, that, you know, that's how it goes. I even have, my kids have even lost their backpack with everything in it, I think, you know, and uh, it's usually under their bed <laughs> or, or something like that. We go find it. We find all kinds of things. It's great. Um, but anyway, we have those for all the kids uh, the ages K through sixth grade. And so at the end of the service, if you have kids and you would like to get them a backpack, we do have those available in the back. Be sure that you get one before you leave. We really want you to, to uh, be able to enjoy these backpacks uh, throughout the year. All right. And then also, I forgot to mention, but if you're a guest today, we want you to know how much we care about you. And, and, and during the service, there's a connection card right here that's inside your worship guide. If you could take time just to maybe fill that out during the service, that would help us better be able to serve you and pray for you on the back. It tells you, uh, gives you some options of things that if you need or this, you can just tell us anything you want to communicate to us, how we can serve you, how we can best pray for you. And a little bit later, we'll pass some baskets in the service and you can drop that in and that allows us to be able to connect with you in a, in a great and wonderful way. Okay. So this is a time where we want to be able to honor those who are investing to our children. And, uh, so if these are, we have a special gift card for all of our teachers who are here today. And um, so here's the thing. I was talking to somebody after, at the uh, end of the, or before the first service started, and they said, you know, hey, Pastor West, aren't we all teachers? I mean, we have kids. We, we teach, you know, we teach. And it's like, I, you heard there was a gift card, right? And, the, and so it's great. Don't get as excited. It's only a dollar. It's a dollar gift card to the dollar store, so you can get anything you want inside the store. It's, uh, it's a little nicer than that. So um, we're excited about that. But if you're a teacher today, we want you to stand up so we can just give you an applaud. And then our, our ushers, all teachers, even if you stood up in the first service. Go ahead and stand up. That's great. All right. So we have some ushers going to come forward and they're going to recognize you. Let's give them a big hand. All right. These are the people who have smiles on their face now, but in about two weeks, they're going to be sad like all the rest of us, okay, because school started, and uh, that's great. Well, I'm glad that you're here. We're excited about what God is doing, and uh, today we're going to be kicking off, as I said, our Love My Church series. And, and so, you know, the thing is, we were talking a little bit about the, the, the first services. I understand that uh, when we talk about church and we say, I love my church, we understand that it's, it's not really, it's God's church, right? It's his, we, we want to be able to give everything and all the honor and glory to him. But, but today, what I want us to be able to do is to take ownership and realize that, that God wants us to be uh, 
understanding our role in the church, the church that he loved and gave himself for. We are a body of people and believers that serve the Lord together. And so, uh, you know, that the Bible talks about the... Um, that the church is the bride of Christ, right? And so Christ is the groom, we're his bride. And I don't know about you, but every bride that I know, they don't mind spending money investing in their wedding. Anybody like that? Any brides like to have nice weddings? Well, the thing is, is that whenever, whenever we're the church, we invest because it's, it's, it's part of who we are. You're the bride. You're the person that Jesus Christ died for. And because you are that person, Jesus wants you to really understand that your role as a believer and as a member of his church, how our attitude ought to be and how we can love our church more. You know, whenever you take ownership of something, we treat things differently that we own than things that we don't own, right? Have you ever, uh, you ever rented a car? How many of you may treat a rental car a little differently than you do your own car? You know, when you go to Walmart and you park, you look for the places to park, you know, those great spiritual locations that all Christians go to, Walmart, right? That's one of the great mission fields of the church. So we all go to Walmart. And if you're in a, if you're in a rental car or whatever, you don't mind parking right beside the, bu- the buggy lane or the grocery car. We call them buggies in the South. I think it's funny, but, uh, but the grocery carts. <laughs> Um, but you don't mind parking right there. You don't even mind if it's down in the valley because it's just like gravity. All those carts are just going, you don't care because it's not yours. But if it was your car, you know, you always park way out in the far end of the parking lot up on the hill to make sure that everything's okay because that's yours, right? And you want to make sure you protect it and take care of it and love it. And, uh, you don't want to come back out and go, ah, you know, I got a scratch on my car. You know, how it's just a little bitty ding, the first ding that you ever get. Oh, it's like, it's like somebody's stabbing you in the heart and it's like, yeah. You know how what, that, what the bill looks like every time it comes in the mail. And we know when we have ownership, we treat things differently because we care about it. And Jesus wants us to be able to understand as we think about I love my church, we want us to be able to take ownership and realize that, that we are a part. This is my church because I am the bride of Christ. And as the bride of Christ, I want to be able to take care of it and love it the way that he wants me to. And in this series, I want to talk to you about the first key thing is that a, a characteristic that we want to point out is found people find people. In the church, God wants us to be able to live a life where found people find people. And I started thinking about that. And when you, can't, when you think about finding people, what's the first thing you think of when you were a kid? What is, is there a game that you used to play? Hide and what? Hide and go seek. That's right. How many of you love hide and go seek? You know, at some point, you know, how many of you still like it? You know, you just like, you, you play it at home. You, you're probably going to do it this afternoon when you get home, right? <laughs> it's exciting. We love it. I mean, it's in our DNA. We just love hide and go seek. And I got to thinking, why do we love that? Why do our kids like that so much? And I was thinking about in the Bible some ways, some, some times where, where the actually the, that, that, that role, that game kind of comes to life because I think it's in God's DNA. And I was asking Kim, I was just kind of using them as a, her as a sounding board, and Shelly was in the room. I said, hey, what's a game that you used to play, love to play when you were a kid? She goes, hide and go seek, it'd be great. And I was like, that's great, because that's exactly what I, wanted, that's what I was hoping you'd say. And I, and, and I said, Shelly, I said, do you like hide and go seek? And what did you say? Because she's a weirdo. She said no. And so, so, so why? She said, I don't like hide and go seek. I said, why? And she said, because I, I'm afraid. And I said, you're afraid of what? And she goes, afraid of monsters. I said, where you hide? She goes, yes. Like, there's, there's going to be monsters where you hide. I was like, what kind, of, what kind of parents did you have, child? So 
Anyway, so most people enjoy hide-and-go-seek, and I'm not going to let her ruin the illustration for us all, right? So we're just going to have a good time. And, and in the Bible, there was actually a time when we can go back to and we can see that, that it, how God actually sought after his people. And in Genesis chapter 6 through 9, do you remember the first game of hide-and-go-seek? Do you remember it? Let me read it to you real fast. The Bible says, and when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden. Whoa! (laughs) You were trying to make me sound like God, weren't you? I knew that. These sound people, I tell you, don't mess up a service. Okay. (laughs) Okay. They were walking in the garden. Okay. And they heard the voice of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. They were hiding. Don't find me, God. I've sinned, right? And then the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where, this has been a good time for the voice, but you don't have to do it. Where art thou? And I got to thinking, God came looking for man and woman. Now God knew what they had just done. They had just destroyed the world as God created it. They had sinned, they had cursed the world, and sin, its effect had been taken. That's why they knew they were naked. That's why they knew there was something wrong. But God at that time when they sinned, what God could have just immediately just said, "Hey, You guys messed everything up. I'm done with you. Forget it. And he could have just literally destroyed everything. And he, but but what did God do? He came looking and he began searching them out. He already knew what it would take to redeem his people back to him. And it would involve his son, Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, to be able to come from heaven, to now come to earth as a man, a mortal man, but be 100% God, so that he could die and be beaten and crucified on a cross for your sins and mine. He did that, and he knew what it would take, yet God comes looking for Adam and Eve. Where are you? Where are you? Now, sin has its penalty, and they were cast out of the garden. And, and every sin, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. And there, that death would require Jesus Christ dying on the cross in order for us to have everlasting life. And, and they would sacrifice, and death over and over again in the, in the Bible where they would sacrifice lamb or a, or a dove, depending on the wealth that those people would have. And they would have to sacrifice to show the forgiveness of sin. Because without the shedding of blood, the Bible says there is no remission of sin. But he came to find us. And you know what? It's in God's DNA. I think that's maybe why it's just in us to be able to to like searching for others. And then a little later, Jesus Christ comes to earth. And and Luke 19.10 says that Jesus loves finding people too. Because it says, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus, you know what he likes to play? Hide and go seek. 
You know what? Because we as people, we're not, we don't know we're lost when we're lost, but Jesus is searching for us. And the great thing is, is that he's, he's hunting you and he's, he's trying to become a part of your life. And when, finally, when you actually hear the voice of God or, or he starts speaking to your heart and you actually come to Christ, then you are found, the Bible says. And found people like to find people because God likes finding people. And that DNA is in the DNA of Jesus Christ who came to seek and to save that which is lost. And when a lost person comes to know God, that DNA is transformed into us because the Bible says that, that therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That DNA kind of gets in us. And there's a natural thing that happens when we're found by God. God wants to then be able to transform us so that we have the same desires that he had. And even though people don't deserve it most of the time, I don't deserve it. We just need to know that God loves us in spite of who we are and what we've done. And no matter what you're going through in your life, Jesus Christ loves you. And he came to this earth to die for you. And he wants your life to be an amazing life lived for him. That's what God wants today. So hey, guess what? Found people that live a life that's transparent the way God wants us to live is going to be transformed and be used to be able to make a difference. So today, why do I love my church? Because my church loves God. Why do I love my church? Because my church loves finding people. Why do I love my church? Because my church loves to find people the way God loves finding people. It's in my DNA. I want to be able to live a life after God's grace. You know the old song, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was what? But now I'm, was blind, but now I, you know what? That's in our DNA. I want to talk to you about four important characteristics today of how people, how found people find people. Let's take our Bibles today, and if you have your Bible, please take your your Bible and turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we're going to just read a few verses together, and we'll we'll start in verse 35 through 42, about seven verses there. And I want to be able to lay the foundation as to uh, the the example that God has for us uh, here in the book of John and how we can apply this truth together today. In John chapter 1, verse 35, the Bible says, And again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus, he walked, as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples then that heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and seeing them following, said unto them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, Where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. One of the two heard John speak and followed him. His name was Andrew. And it was uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. 
So we have a great passage here. Now, when you're looking at it, in general, it may not be able to see all the, the, the great things that are, that are in this passage, but I want to be able to challenge you because the found people, find people is all over the place in this passage. And I want us to kind of unpack that together today. And we're excited about what God is going to do. So the first thing we notice here is in verse 35 through 36. Let's look at that one more time carefully. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. How many? Who was standing there? John. Okay. How many disciples? And standing with? Now, there's two Johns that we're talking about here. There's the John who wrote the book of John, and then there's the John the passage is talking about, which is John the Baptist, okay? Say it with me. Is John the what? Okay, all right. So we're all together. This is a great back to school Sunday. It's great. We're having a teacher's class. This is great. Okay, so, all right. So now we know that John was there, and he had two disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said what? Behold, the Lamb of God. Okay, now let's, let's take a look at this passage. All right, who was John the Baptist? Well, John the Baptist was an evangelist. And John the Baptist was someone who had been proclaiming Jesus Christ for some time. And he had been telling everybody that was, that, that was listening, he said, he who comes after me is preferred before me. He was talking about Jesus. And, and so what he was saying is, is that, that there's going to be someone who I am preaching about that is greater than me, it is bigger than me, and is the person that I know that will change your life forever. And he had these disciples, and he had some influence. And so that he, these disciples were now following John the Baptist. But then all of a sudden, John saw Jesus for the first time there, and this is Jesus, actually his cousin. And so he goes by, and when Jesus walks by, all of a sudden the disciples is following John the Baptist. Now he points at Jesus and said, hey, this is the Messiah. This is the one that I'm proclaiming. He is the one that you need to follow. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God. So all the attention now was to be taken away from John the Baptist and now put on Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but, but that's sometimes hard for us to do. When we think about doing things for God, a lot of times, you know, we, we can get in the flesh a little bit, right? I think that sometimes we like to have attention. And I, you know, and, and, and if, how many of you, believe it or not, how many of you actually like yourself? Okay. How many of you people actually, maybe you want to be a little honest, like, how many of you actually love yourself? Okay, all right. Well, that's good. I'm glad. You know, it's, it's, it really helps if you are actually kind of in a good relationship with yourself, you know? It's really good to get along because you're going to live with yourself the rest of your life, okay? It's important. It's okay. You can admit it. But you know what? We in, we in general, everything that we do, we have to be careful because in the church, it can't be about us, right? It has to be about Jesus Christ. And, and, you know, John the Baptist, he had a following and he had these disciples and it had been very easy for him to be able to continue to try to push himself in front where he had their influence. And I'm here to tell you today that though in order for us to have a kind of church where found people find people, we have to realize that it's not about us, it's about God, right? And it's really easy for us to, to be able to, to, to like it. I mean, it's in, it's in our nature to, to love ourselves. I think of that old song. You remember back when I was a kid, there used to be this TV show that used to come on. It's called The Greatest American Hero. Do you ever remember that? It goes, believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I never thought I could feel so free. Should I keep going? Flying away on a wing and a prayer. Who could it be? Believe it or not, it's just me. 
It's just me. Everybody wanted to be the greatest American hero. And the whole theme of the thing was is so you would find yourself believing that you could be that person. And I thought, you know, I would love to get a, a suit like that to be able to fly. Even if I crash in the ground and have no instructions how to fly, it would be great. I just would enjoy it. And you know what? I think that sometimes we jump into the things of God and, and we get excited about it for a little while and, and things are going great and sometimes we may make a mistake or we crash and then all of a sudden it's not it's like it's, we want it to be all about us. And when, when things don't go our way, what's the first thing we do? We quit on God. And we forget how good he was to us and we forget how much he loved us and sent his son to die for us when we don't deserve it. I'm amazed at the love that he had for us. John the Baptist had the notoriety. He had the popularity. He had the fame. But he knew that in order for him to be the leader that God had called him to be, to be the right kind of leader, his whole mission was to be able to point people to Jesus Christ. And so I want to be able to take that to our first point together here in just a moment. But even looking at this, John 3.30 says, he must increase, but I must decrease. So in order for our church to be the kind of church that God wants, in order for us to love it the way he wants us to do, we have to realize that it's all about lifting him up and being able to serve him. And when people come to church, our goal is not to make them think that we're special. Although I think that we ought to love each other and we ought to be excited about it. And that's why we love our church because as the bride of Christ, we love our wedding, right? And we, we want it to be great and we want to take ownership. But the thing is, is that we has to be focusing on Jesus. Why do I love my church? I love my church not because we have a great pastor. I love my church but because my pastor loves a great God. I love my church not because we have great people, but because our people love a great God. So if Jesus found you and he found me and placed us in his church, we should love our church but always be pointing people to Jesus. I'm consumed about what's going on in our church. I'm excited about it. Um, I know that the efforts and the vision must not be focused on our greatness, but it must be focused on the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I got an amen back there. Amen, that's great. That's awesome. Find people, find people in our city and point them to Christ. You know, um, not long ago, Pastor Micaiah, he's mentioned this, but, but I think it's great that, what our, that our church does things in our community to be able to make a difference. We did a little thing. There were two of our life groups that got together and they did laundry love and they, they went to a laundromat right over here off of Bernal Road and they showed up and people came to get their laundry done and they walked in expecting to have to you know, come up with some money to be, able to, to be able to do their laundry. Some of them came and I don't even know why they came if they didn't really have it, but some of them didn't even have the money according to what he said to be able to do all that they wanted. And sure enough... All of a sudden, we have people in our church that are helping pay for their laundry and be able to get things done. And people look and say, why do you do that? Well, it's, it's, it, why, what, what's going on? Their mind is kind of like blown. And they say, well, what's, why do you do this? Well, we do this because we love Jesus and we want to be a blessing. And we're looking for people that we can share the love of God with. We're, we're found people trying to find people to be able to serve and be a blessing. And so God is wanting us to be able to understand that, that it's all about him. Do you believe today? Do you believe today that there are people in our area in need? How how far would you have to walk out of this church building today before you found somebody who needed something? You could probably look at somebody in the church and probably find something right there, right? The reason why we're here is because we all need something. We need God. 
first and foremost, but we all need something. But there are people that are struggling. I mean, you can walk across the street. There are people that just, they, are, they have so many needs. And sin many times takes its toll, and that sin toll can, sometimes can show up in many different ways, through broken homes or through homelessness or whatever. But those people are in need, and they love, they love people to be able to show them the love of God. And in order for people to be changed, we have to be willing to be the people who are willing to go out of our way so that we can find people and care the way Christ did. There are people seeking love today. There are people seeking answers for their marriages today. There are people seeking answers to their finances. People are seeking answers to overcome their addictions. People are seeking friendships. And you see, that's where the church can come in because we as a people, we are individuals, but we can make a huge difference as a church family because together we have more power. We have more prayer power. We have more strength. We have a greater outreach because we can't reach everybody as individuals. But as a church family, God can open up our arms, stretch them out really wide, and we can make a difference because we have a powerful God to be able to strengthen us and drive us We can give our time. We can give our treasure. We share our gifts. We can serve others so they can experience what we have found. I love my church because my church loves finding people. A great church will see the need and take the lead. Why? Because we're full of found people who serve people. That's what we do. The church is the vehicle that God has chosen. You know, we had a national night out this last Tuesday, and we had some volunteers, and, and uh, Rosanna Smart kind of helped run, run the thing, and she went and got applications and did all the work with the city, and it's a big thing. I mean, I, I was on the email chain, and it was like, it was just one thing after another, we need this, we need this, we gotta, you can't do this, you got to do this, you gotta, if you do this, you're going to have to add this. I mean, it was just a lot to be able to maintain. And you know, you sit there and think, and you think, man, you know, all we want to do is be a blessing. I mean, we're good night. All we, you know, why is there so many? Why is it so hard to be a blessing? You know. And so we went out there, and we all our volunteers showed up, and people were carrying out big old hundreds of pounds of ice, and carrying it out to the field, and ice cream, and snacks, and 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 water bottles, and and we had a. It was just a, an amazing time. And the, and then all of a sudden, the, and then DJ Curtis showed up, and he had his music just cranking up, and all of a sudden, it felt like something was happening in the park. And there was a Southridge tent out there, and there's a bunch of Southridge uh, volunteers just out there saying, "Come on down, we just want to show you our love," right? And all of a sudden, there was about maybe 50, then 100, then 150, then 200, and about 250. And then it just seemed like it was just the whole field was kind of crowded up. And it was just people, we're running out of ice cream. I made sure I got one just because I'm a a good Christian. But anyway, man, it was so hot too. I mean, it was hot. I mean, you take your ice cream out and you had to to hurry and drink it like that or it would just melt right there off off of the, the stick. It was amazing. But we're having so much fun and people are sitting there and their minds are blown. They're like, why are you doing this? Why are, you, why are you trying to help our community? Because we love people. Because found people find people and share God's love with them. And so we're passing out church invitations left and right. We're registering people. We got a bunch of people signed up and we're gonna tell them about the love of God. And that's what we do. And you know, the thing is, is that um, when, we, it gets, it gets, when you do things like that, it catches the attention of the world. Uh, the assemblyman, uh, state assemblyman uh, Sergio Jimenez came to the thing. And he, he got up right before the, the, we had started the movie. And then he was, he was he's like, he's thanking the community. He says, thank you for coming out. But thank you, Southridge Church, for caring about this community and making a difference here. 
And I don't know if, if he knows the Lord the, the way that he, if he's been found or not, but I'll tell you what, he knows that there's a powerful God that is driving people because found people are changed people and changed people find people. It's just, a, it's in our DNA. And so it's an exciting thing to be able to see God change lives. And it's an exciting thing to be a part of a church that loves people. And that's why I love my church. Let's look at the next verse. The two disciples heard him speak. In verse 37, the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? What do you seek? And they said, said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. Okay, so the first thing I want to point out to you, and I'm actually on point three, but the first thing, let's review. Found people point people to Christ. Found people point people to Christ. Number two, found people serve people. Found people serve people. Are you serving today? Are you a person that's excited enough about what God has done in your life to be serving? Where are you serving? What are you doing for God? If he was willing to send his son to die for you, what are you willing to do for him? So the next thing is, point number three, found people spend time with Jesus. Found people spend time with Jesus. Let's do kind of a recap here. So number one, we know that we, we take the Bible here and we just kind of go through it. We find that there was John the Baptist and John the Baptist had how many disciples that were with him that day? Two, okay? And, and so he was telling them about who? Okay, and then one day Jesus came walking by. When Jesus came walking by, what did he say to them? Behold, the Lamb of God. So he pointed them to Jesus. Now, he's, he's got Jesus there. And so the people then immediately turn to Jesus and follow him. So why did they follow Jesus? What made them all of a sudden just say, okay, John, you said follow him. I'll go follow them. What was the thing that made them just say, okay, I'll just follow Jesus. And I will, you know, see what he's doing. So they, they're following. What is that? Well, let's just look at it, okay? So, so when Jesus Christ came in and he said, behold the Lamb of God, you gotta realize that John has some equity. He had some long-term relationship with these guys and he had a relationship and a trust factor because these were people that had been following him because of the truth and the message that he was saying. Now, everybody has a circle of influence. You have a circle of influence, and people that are watching you are wanting to see who you are pointing them to, right? So in your circle of influence, maybe you're at work, maybe you're, uh, you know, it, 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 in some of the, the hobbies that you have, you may be involved in different events, maybe it's somebody out on the golf course that you go play with or whatever, but there are different people that are, that are looking to you because you have influence on them. And John had some equity built up. And so when John said, hey, this is Jesus. This is the one that you should be following. He then told him, he said, this is the person that you need to go after. And because they trusted John, they began to follow Jesus. Now we get to the point now where they're following him. And so Jesus then turns around 
at that point, and he's looking at them, and he says to them, he says, what do you seek? He says, what are you looking for? And so, what did he say? Jesus turned around and he looked at them and they said, what? What do you seek? And you know what they said? He says, where do you live? Where are you going? And so, Jesus began to to take them. He says, come and see. He says, come and see. So Jesus takes them to his house and he, and he spends some time with them. The Bible says that he was there until about four o'clock in the afternoon. That means that they were with Jesus the majority of the day. And we see that this is an amazing thing because these are the first time that these disciples had actually been with Jesus and they'd actually seen him. And so this was their first impression of the person that John had been proclaiming for so long. And so can you imagine how their minds were blown that day? Can you imagine how they felt being with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and to be able to spend all that time with him until four o'clock? How would it change your life to be able to spend that time with Jesus? We, um, we recently went to, uh, on vacation ourselves, and, and uh, we went to this place, this real spiritual place, I think it's called Las Vegas, and so we were, um, we, <laughs> where do pastors go on vacation? Las Vegas, okay. So we went to Las Vegas. It was close, it was cheap, so we went, because uh, we, we had a timeshare that we'd never used, and we actually got to stay in this place for free, so we went there, and, and, uh, but there was some neat things going on in the area. And so my wife had done some research of some things to do while you're in the Las Vegas area. So one of the things that was close by is ATM. And it's uh, the acrylic uh, tank manufacturing. And you say, you, you look like I did the first time I heard it. It was like, okay, ATM, acrylic. But when you say home of tank, the movie uh, I mean the movie, the show on Animal Planet, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, tanked? We can go see tanked and see all the people there at tanked? That's going to be great. So we were excited because this was Brent's birthday and he wanted to, and he really likes the tanked people. And, and, um, and so we were all excited and we were, they, if we had a tour set up for Tuesday, so we went over there and we were able to go through that and one of the things that they said is that, you know, if you, if you come, Brett and Wade, there's a good chance that Brett and Wade might be able to be there for the, uh, for the event, and you can get pictures with them and, and share your, your time with him and, and uh, get some pictures or whatever. So we went there, and we went through the whole tour, and, and you know what, we went in, and we kind of was kind of walking through, and we see some of their offices, and we're kind of peeking, hoping that we can see somebody in there. And sure enough, there was Redneck was in there, and Redneck, I don't know if you've seen the show, but, but he's, 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 eh, he's okay, but it wasn't like... Bread or weight, right? So, so, but he was in there. He was working hard. I think he was playing solitaire on his computer, and um, so, so Brent goes in there and he gets his attention. And, and Redneck comes over and gets a picture with with Brent, and and we were like, but we were we came there because we wanted to be with the other. We want to see the stars of the show, right? And so. Um, so anyway, we were kind of let down. We went through the whole thing, and it was really good. I, I, I encourage you, if you're ever in the area, to go see it. But, but we were kind of bummed because we wanted to see the stars. And so we came, well, as we were getting ready to leave, my wife, uh, she had um, got a text, or actually was talking to our tour guide, and the tour guide said, hey, listen, I know you guys really want to see Brett and Wade. And I kind of feel bad they didn't show up today because they're, they're either out of town or whatever. She goes, would you be willing, he says, if, anybody, if, you're, if, you're back in, if you're still in the area on Thursday, would you be willing to come back? There's a good chance that they'll be back here. I was like, hmm, yeah, we'll do it. That'd be great. 
And uh, so we, we looked at our schedule, and it really didn't have anything on it. So uh, we're on vacation. So, so we said, yeah, we'll come back. So we came back on Thursday, and we were enjoying you know, our time. And we come back, and we're anticipating. But there was a slim chance that they may not show up still. And we were kind of like, oh, man, I hope they come back. And we were texting, and they said, they should be here. But we can't promise you, but they should be here. And so, so we were in there waiting around, and I'm buying, uh, you know, sodas and everything else just to keep myself busy and and so we we had uh got a text and the text said they're here and we were like yay we're so excited on the outside I was like okay cool you know inside I was jumping up and down yes I'm so excited this is great I didn't want my kids to know I was that excited about seeing them me too but I, but we were and so we went in and it's like where are they at where are they at we're walking through the offices and I mean it's just like tanked on the tv show tanked i mean we're in the studio everything and so we're walking through and then sure enough you can see in the back back there there's wade back there he's putting his arm around people getting pictures and we're in line we're like oh boy oh boy oh boy oh boy i give a picture taken with wade i want to actually say hi to him i want to shake his hand i want to tell him he's like hey how's it going <laughs> you know and he put his arm around us and we're just and we got his picture with wade i'm like yes this is great and i was like man you're cool you're cool. I don't even, you don't know who I am, but you're cool, <laughs> you know? And then, and then uh, Brett, we went over to see him and he just sat down and talked to us and just had a great time and we had pictures and it was awesome. And I was amazed just being in the presence of somebody who's on TV and they were saying, you know what? We're nobody. He says, we're just, we're just normal people who, who just happened to, you know, through a, a series of events, we're able to get on TV and now people know us and he says we're just normal people just like you guys he says there's nothing special about us yeah we're worth millions but you know hey it's okay I was like that makes a difference you know but but I was thinking how cool and enamored I was to just spend a little time with some people who were famous and then I was thinking one other thing we did I don't mean to fill you in all the details of our vacation but but it was, it, it just, it's just so real. We went to the Wax Museum. And the Wax Museum, you ever been to the Wax Museum uh, over there? We walked in, and I didn't know what to expect. And, um, and we walked in, and I, and I did one of these. I, it took me back. I was like, whoa. It, it messed my eyes up. Because there were actually these, these celebrities in this room just kind of like standing there, you know, and it looked like they were looking at you. I mean... It was creepy. It was so creepy. I went up to Sandra Bullock and I was like, hi, Sandra, how's it going? She, she was a little offended. She didn't respond. But, but I was really excited to see her nonetheless. And then I was like, where did my wife go? And she was over there by Brad Pitt going, hey. She was just in love, I think. I was a little jealous by wax Brad. And, um, but I'm telling you, I was enamored I was amazed at, at, at how, how it felt to be in the presence of people who were famous and they weren't even real. It was creepy though. I'm telling you, it was creepy. I was like, you look in their eyes and it's like, oh, you're looking right at me. And what, I was standing there by one, I was standing by, actually I was standing by Brad Pitt and I was just kind of standing there like this real still and this lady walks in and I go, like that. She's like, ah, I thought you were one of those, you know. <laughs> she was so scared. I was like, I'm kind of impressed that you thought I was one of them. That's pretty amazing. I'm in t-shirts and shorts. I was like, what celebrity looks like this, man? That's fun. You ought to try that. That's, it really freaks people out. But, but we had a good time. And I was enamored. And I was amazed. Because I was in the presence of greatness. Yet, 
the King of kings and Lord of lords who came from heaven to walk in the garden to hunt fallen man and woman and sent his son Jesus to die for us on a cross fights for our time. He fights for it. We have very little time that we give to God but you see found people spend time with God. Found people point people to Christ. Found people serve people but found people find people because they spend time with Jesus. I wonder, how much time have you spent with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords today? When you just kind of take inventory, and I I know this is convicting, but even this week, how much time have you spent with God? How much time have we really thought that the person who found us and looked for us for all eternity and gave us his only son, he says, I'm here. I'm waiting. I just want to spend time with you. That's what found people should do. You know, I get a lot of prayer requests from different life groups and also in the emails and different things that come our way. And and I look through the, the prayer requests, and, and I thank you. It, it, by the way, if you have a prayer request, please let us know and put it on the back of your connection card. Let us know how we can pray for you. But I, I started thinking, and many times I look through, and, and a lot of times I see prayer requests that come in and says, you know, Pastor, please pray for me because our family is struggling in this area or our marriage is struggling in this area, and, I, and, I, and we need some help, and, and, and we just want God to be able to do some great things. And I look around, and I think, I haven't seen this family in church right lately. And a lot of times it is that, that we have great needs. But great needs means that we ought to be spending more time around the things of God. We ought to spend more time in prayer. We ought to spend more time in our Bible. We ought to spend more time in church. And if you're struggling today, and if you're having a difficult time, join the crowd. We're all struggling. This is that's who we are. We're, a, we're just a mess that God, God has to take care of all the time. But the church is a hospital. A church is a place where people with brokenness and hurting and, and, and have needs are coming to get their needs felt. That's why it's up to us to be able to point people to Jesus. That's why it's up to us to be able to serve these people. And it's up to us in order to change their life. We have to be willing to spend time with God in order so that we have something to give to them. So let's do a recap. Here we have John the Baptist. He's got a following. He's got his disciples. And he's excited about everything that God is doing. But he's got some investment that he's now put into these young men. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking by. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God. So he points them to John the Baptist. And these people then, these disciples turn. Whoop. Okay, I'm following Jesus, and so they're following Jesus. Then all of a sudden, Jesus turns around, and he says, hey, you have needs. I know that you're looking for something. What do you need? And Jesus says, he says, how can I help you? And, and, and that's exactly what Jesus wants us to do, to be able to turn to people that are outside of our church and say, how can I help you? And people who are inside the church and say, how can I help you? And those people said, hey, we just want to go see where you live. We just want to see what's going on. He says, come and see. Come and see. And so he did. And so he followed them. And now they are together spending time with Jesus Christ. And then the last thing I want to point out to you today, guess what happens when you spend time with Jesus? You know what happens? 
you start thinking like Jesus. You start acting like Jesus. And you want to tell others about Jesus. It's just the natural thing. Because just like hide and seek is one of the funnest things that we can do as a Christian, one of the greatest things we can do is to be able to go out and, tr- and find others to be able to share the good news with. So let's look here at this, uh, this last thing. Number four, found people bring others to Christ. Found people bring others to Christ. One of the, uh, one of the two disciples that were there his name was Andrew. And, and so Andrew, basically what he does is after he had spent time with Jesus, the Bible says in verse, uh, let's go back to verse 40, 30, 39. He said unto them, come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. One of the two heard John speak and followed him. His name was Andrew. And Simon Peter was his brother. Now, Simon Peter wasn't there, but he said he went, in verse 41, he said he first found his own brother, Simon. And he said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. So he immediately, after spending time with Jesus, the first thing that he wanted to do is he wanted to be able to go and find the person that he cared about the most. He wanted to share the love of Christ with those that he loved. And you know what? If you love something, you don't mind telling people about it, right? You know, I love certain things. One of the things that I love to do, you might, you might not realize this by looking, but I love to eat. I love to eat. And you know what? If you came up to me and you said, hey, you know what? What do you love to eat? I'd say, well, guess what? I love fish. I love fish. I love the kind that's bad for you kind of fish, though. It's got to be the kind that you throw into a deep fryer, and it's crispy, and it, to the point where it tastes like chicken when it comes out more than it tastes like fish, you know? That's the kind of fish I like. And there's a place, that you, if you want to be able to eat that kind of fish, where do you go? I'm going to say you need to go to the City Fish in Morgan Hill. It's a brand new place. We've been there umpteen times. It's really good. And we took Jared there yesterday, and we had a great time just, just loving some delicious fish fried, deep fried fish. (laughs) Tartar sauce. Oh, it's great. I love it. You can say, I love Mexican food, and I do. I love Mexican food. And if you ask me, where should you go find Mexican food? I would tell you that you need to go Las Isabelas and Morgan Hill, or you need to go to, to, um, to, to, to any, 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 basically any Mexican place there is, because I like it all. It's really good. If I like barbecue, I'm going to tell you, man, you need to go to Famous Dave's or Trail Dust in Morgan Hill too. Famous Dave's in Gilroy. There's one in San Jose. But I'm going to tell you what, anybody here hungry now? Okay, sorry about that. But the thing is, let me tell you something. If I love something, I'm not going to be ashamed to be able to tell you where it is. That's like, man, you want barbecue? I tell you what, I love it. Let me tell you where to go. But you know what? I don't have a problem. I don't say, you love barbecue? I'm so scared I can't tell you when I'm going to go. You need to go eat barbecue. I'm so scared. Ah, ah. Yeah, that's what we do when, when it says, you know, when people say, where can I go to get my soul nourished? Where can I go to get my, my soul fed? Where can I go to find the answers to tough, difficult presses, uh, questions in life? And yet we, we, all of a sudden we can say, hey, I know a place you can go. You need to go to? 
Yeah, that's a great place to go. You can go to church, you can go to Southridge, you can, and there you can find your needs met. There you can have the Bible preached to you, and there you can find friends, and you can find a life group, and do life together with people, and you can share the gospel with your friends. That's the place. We don't get all upset when, it's, when somebody says, what can I do? A lot of times we, we, we have this, that Satan tries to get us to where we can't be able to explain the truth that Jesus wants us to, to say, but when it comes to church, we like all of a sudden panic. Oh no, I can't do it. It's not that hard. Do you love your church today? All right. Do you love the God of this church? Yes or no? So if we love it, let's tell it. Let's be found people who find people. Let's be found people who point people to Christ. Let's be found people who serve people in our community like we did this last Tuesday. And we're looking for the next thing that we can do this great. Well, let's be the kind of people that, that, that when we find, that found people, we spend time with Jesus Christ. And then finally, let's be the found people that bring others to Christ. I love Jesus, therefore I love my church. If he was willing to seek me out and he was willing to find me, I'm willing to go out and find others to bring them to Christ as well. You know, I love a lot of things, you know, but I love Jesus. I want to make sure that Jesus is above the other things that I love. There's this little kid's song, and it's just fun to sing, and I I thought it'd be fun to kind of share with you, but it goes, the love of Jesus is so wonderful, the love of Jesus is so wonderful, the love of Jesus is so wonderful, oh, oh, wonderful love. It's higher than the mountains, it's deeper than the ocean, it's wider than the universe, oh, oh, wonderful love. And that love that is, that is involved in Jesus Christ ought to be a love that ought to proclaim, we ought to be able to proclaim and be excited about sharing with the world. I love it. I'll close with an illustration here. I remember, I remember one of the first people that came to Christ that I had an opportunity to share with and I was a teenager. I mean, just a, a goofy teenager. Now I'm a goofy middle-aged man, but when I was a goofy teenager, I had, I had just gotten involved in the youth group, and well, actually, I, was, I grew up in church, but our youth group, it was, it was exciting. I mean, we just loved it because it was, you know, we weren't very big, but, but it, was just, it was just the thing to do for, for our teenagers in church, and so we'd always go to youth group, and one day, I was at home, and and there was a, a young man that lived up the street, and he's just a couple months older than me. And and uh, I uh, I don't know how we kind of met, because in the country, a neighbor is like anybody within the two miles of you, basically. You know, I mean, it, you know, it's not, it's not like next door neighbors here. But so this guy was walking, you know, riding his bike or whatever, and his name was Tommy. And Tommy, I invited him. I said, hey, Tommy, we got to play in. And, and, and I had began to have a little bit of influence. And we would were, we were go to his house. He had this coolest swing that would be hang from a rope and on this round thing. And you just kick yourself off the tree. And then you start spinning. The idea was to kick yourself off and then spin like this, you know, as fast as you can. And then hope that when you swing back to the tree, your feet land against the tree. Because if it doesn't, I mean, it's just, it's rough. You turn out like this because I, I didn't hit it always just right. But it was, it was things that boys do. And we were playing. We had a good time together. But you know what? Like anybody that we have relationships with, if we're a found people, there ought to be something that's always going off in our mind. There's a spark that says, does that person know Jesus? Does that person know Christ? Is there anything I can do? And that's the Holy Spirit that speaks to found people. And I remember... 
invited him. I said, hey, would you go to youth group with me? And he goes, yeah, I'll go to youth group with you because he thought, he thought you know, you like my swing? I'll go to church with you. It's kind of cool. And so we, we, um, we got together and we were having a good time and, and he started going to youth group and we were playing basketball and doing different activities and then he would begin to hear the gospel at, at youth group and it began to plant a seed in his heart and he'd come home and I was too, I was, I was, I was that, kind of that guy that was like, yeah, I'm too scared to talk about Jesus too much. But, but when I was at youth group, I was a little bold, more bold because I was around other Christians, and it wasn't, it wasn't as hard, and so, so he ended up, I, we were going to teen camp one year, and so after that, he's like, hey, can I go to teen camp? I was like, of course you can go to teen camp. Let's go, and so we went to teen camp, and, and it wasn't long that after we were there that um, one of the evening services came around, and, and, um, and Tommy, uh, the invitation, the preacher had been preaching, and Tommy raised his hand during the, the call at the end, and he said, would you like to, anybody here like to receive Christ as their Savior? And Tommy's hand went up. And I didn't know it. I was kind of, you know, I wasn't right beside of him or whatever. I had my eyes closed, but I was just praying that God would speak to his heart. And he raised his hand, and he, and he accepted Christ as his Savior in that service. And I didn't really know it, but afterwards, at the end of the week on Friday night, we, um, we gather around a, a bonfire. And at the bonfire, we'd give testimonies. And teenagers would say, what, what has God done in their life? How can, how's God speak to you this week? And I remember sitting up there and just kind of in the crowd with the teens and different women. We're all crying because, you know, we're just excited about what God has done. And, and, um, and Tommy... He ended up going there, and at the end of the week, where we'd all gather on that bonfire, he, um, he stood up at a time when he felt like that he wanted to share his testimony, and he said, I want to thank Wes for inviting me to church. He said, because if he hadn't, I would have never come to camp, and I would have never heard about Jesus, and because he invited me, I got saved. And I was like, what? I couldn't believe it. It was the first time in my life that I realized that somebody was going to go to heaven. Not because I was special, but because we serve a great God. And I, I didn't, I, I can't change a person's life. I can't save a person. It's not in me to do that. But I can tell somebody my story. I can tell somebody how to come to Christ. I can let them know that they can come to church where their other people will care. And I tell you what, that's what found people do. We find others because when you spend time with Jesus the way that those disciples did, the first thing he did is he went and found his brother and he said, hey, Simon, Peter, he says, come with me. I found the Messiah. I want you to have what I have. I want to share what I have with you. And if we care about the loss, if we care about our loved ones, we're not going to sit okay in church and know that there's, there's someone else that could be here with us that needs to hear the gospel, that needs help in their home, that needs their life changed we're not going to be okay with that because we have got to go and find the world for Jesus Christ